Welcome to the CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Britt Wright, and this podcast is for creative entrepreneurs on fire. Over our first 12-week season, we will introduce you to the foundational fundamentals for being a successful business owner while inspiring you with the amazing interviews with fellow CEOs and creative masterminds. Our focus covers a lot of ground, just like you. As creative entrepreneurs, we have to do it all. So this podcast will help you to understand the business basics, mindset shifts, strategic planning, with just a little sprinkle of the good vibe woo tribe for good measure. Here, we will prep you to become the mastermind and the boss with real life takeaways for you to apply to your growing empire. I can't wait to share the goods with you. Thank you for listening. Now let's begin. This episode is brought to you by Puppy Gang Fresh Foods. This is Artie's favorite time of day. We have been using Puppy Gang Fresh Foods for about a year now, and it's fantastic. Artie looks so forward to mealtimes. He used to be such a picky eater. We changed over when he was diagnosed with some joint issues, and it has been such a game changer for his health and wellness. It is made with human-grade meat. It's freshly cooked. It's delivered right to your door. It's in little convenient packs. It was developed by Holistic Nutrition. They're super sustainable. I can't say enough good things. If you use the code Artie, you get 50% off your first eight packs. I really encourage you to do this if you got a picky eater or someone with health issues in your family, one of your fur babies, try them out. That's Artie, A-R-T-I-E, for 50% off your first eight packs. Today on the podcast, we have the lovely Amanda Smith. She is one of my longest well, she's not long. She's tiny like me, but she, <laughs> she's one of my dearest friends and one of the smartest people I know. Can you uh, give us a little intro on who you are? Yes. Brittany is one of my dearest friends. I'm not long. I always try to stretch myself to be like <laughs> at least 5'3", but you know, it's a stretch on a tall day. On a tall on day. A tall day yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a mom first probably right now. I'm currently on maternity leave with my youngest who is five months, just got him sleeping through the night, which is a huge win. Um, I also have my eldest who is seven Hunter. I am a fur mama as well. I have two little puppies. Well, one's three, one's a a, truly a puppy, 12 weeks old. So it's a, a busy household. But I found my love in in the home industry and it kind of evolved. I started in like electrical distribution, which I didn't find sexy enough. So I kind of pivoted into renovations and then I was with production building. And then I finally landed and uh, partnered with somebody that I actually worked with in the past and had a good friendship with. And we are now running a custom home building operation here in Calgary and building, you know, mostly acreage homes is our specialty and lake homes in BC. So it's really fun. It is now a sexy industry that's ever changing and just gets all my juices flowing. And I love it. Well, welcome. And we're excited to have you here today. So what is the biggest challenge you find in being in the construction industry, not necessarily as a woman, but just the industry in general? Is it other subtrades? Is it clientele? Is it just the economy that we're living in right now? What's the most difficult piece? Oh, okay. That's loaded because I think all of those facets have a hard, a piece of hard in it. Certainly the volatility of our economy is ever changing. So being in the construction industry, you have to have your leading indicators 
really bright so that you can foresee and navigate that volatility and prepare for it. Of course, you're never going to fully future-proof yourself to those ebbs and flows, like all, I suppose, that heavily waxes and wanes with the economy and the needs of the consumer. So that would probably be the biggest threat that we're always facing is where is the economy going, you know, and once you go through it though, and after you have so many cycles, it kind of becomes repetitive to a degree. COVID, I think, I know everyone's so sick of talking about it, Mm -hmm. but I think it gave people in our industry this opportunity to see a ton of different problems happen in such close succession that we almost became like experts in pivot, 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 pivot. Like I feel like the friends episode where (laughs) I'm just Ross being like, pivot, pivot. But you know, you look back and you're just like, literally it was, okay, we're going to throw this at you. Oh, okay. Now we're going to say you're going to have a logistical nightmare and those things you ordered don't exist anymore. And you're going to order them again. And they're just not going to show up. And then everything's going to cost 30% more. Yes. And now, now tell your client it's 30% more or, oh, just kidding. Now it's 300% more. Um, Or I can't get you a price. Yeah. This price is good for 24 hours. Yeah. So it was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Fun for sure. Uh, (laughs) No, not fun. Fun when you're a masochist. I kind of have a little bit about me. Like I, I think I might be a little bit addicted to stress. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to be to be in this industry. Maybe. Because I am too. Yeah. So when I'm not stressed and I'm trying really hard to break this pattern, but when I'm not stressed, I don't feel productive. Could not agree more. Yeah. You're kind of sitting there and you're like, why do I not feel this burning anxiety inside Mm -hmm. of me? Yeah. I must not be working hard enough. Exactly. Yeah. We need to fix that. That's probably not healthy. (laughs) Not healthy. Let's put that in the bucket of we do not recommend, but for some reason it's fun. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Why Amanda has a puppy and a newborn baby at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. My partner. I mean, on top of why being like, they're both so cute. So the cute factor, understandable. <laughs> Stress factor, maybe not so much. Yeah. No, my, uh, my partner is like, you are absolutely a lunatic. I got my youngest sleeping through the night. And within two weeks, I was looking at rescues for a puppy because I apparently also hate sleep. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Okay. So in addition to that piece of things, how would you define your ideal client? Oh, really great question. Ideal client, I think is somebody who shares similar values and you're truly aligned in the direction that you're taking something. I think as long as you have the end goal aligned There's many ways, I always say like, we live in Calgary, so I'm like, there's a ton of ways to drive to Edmonton and how we get there is going to be unique to whoever you're really working with. Mm -hmm. But as long as the goal is to get to Edmonton and you're aligned on that and you're with a trusted partner, and I think really finding your ideal client is a bit of an interview to a degree. Like you got to choose, they choose you, but you also choose them because you're investing a ton of your time as much as you're being compensated to a degree and you're being hired to do a job, you're investing your emotional resources and your financial resources into this client. And it should be a client for life is a term I really like to use 
because a lot of our uh, customer base is 75% referral. Mm -hmm. So if we aren't strengthening that relationship through the process and having this advocator, is that even a word? Advocator? Have that advocacy. Advocacy, advocate. 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 That's what I wanted to say. (laughs) If we don't have that advocate at the end of the journey, which I don't think you have unless you've gone to the same goal at Mm -hmm. the end, then that doesn't feel like a win. And then you're kind of doing a postmortem analysis of, okay, where did we go wrong? Like, where did we get misaligned? Or did I choose the wrong person to go in this journey with? Mm -hmm. I agree with all of that significantly. And I also think it's really important, the trust factor as well. And like you said, clients for life, I think in the construction industry, especially in what I do, which is more renovations versus custom homes, it is repetitive clients. Like every 10 years, the same clients will call us and ask Mm -hmm. us to do a renovation. And with design clients, I'll do, you know, a main floor and like a year later, I'm coming back to do the bathroom. So it's, it is an ongoing relationship that can last decades if it's the, the right relationship. The part I find most critical is that mutual trust factor. I think if you get a client who's questioning, for example, your fiscal practices or how you charge, or if you're really going to show up on site, like to start on that foot is not a good place to be. Mm -hmm. And if you're questioning whether the client's going to pay their bills or whether they're going to change their mind after they've signed off on something, that's also not a good place to be. Yeah. So it needs to, you need to have that mutual trust. But in that sense, I think what we were kind of chatting about prior to starting the podcast today was setting those expectations. Mm -hmm. So let's dive into that a little bit and talk about the best way to set those for the people listening that have their own businesses, how to set those expectations for clients, but also how to navigate it if something does go wrong. Totally. I think it's such an important topic and one I really love because it's about having hard conversations too. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the times where expectations get misaligned is when we just don't have the conversation. Oh yeah. Um, Because sometimes it, we don't want to bring up problems that might never materialize. Well, yeah, you don't want to bring attention to something that then people are looking for Mm -hmm. and it might never happen, but you also want to pre-warn people that it could happen totally so that they're ready. So that makes sense. Yeah. Inoculate. Yeah. You're going to give them a vaccination (laughs) to the problems that may arise. And I think the old adage of like good paperwork makes good friends, that good conversation, that good paperwork up front to just, future-proof yourself Mm -hmm. through the journey. Construction, whether it's renovation or a new build, is inherently messy. There is always going to be problems. There's Mm -hmm. always going to be bumps in the road. And any builder or renovator that promises a stress-free experience, like run for the hills. Yeah. Because like that doesn't exist. Yeah. Especially in your line of work, like renovations, you're in somebody's home. Like that's entirely disruptive. Yeah. So I think going through, A, the paperwork and talking about everything that has gone wrong in your experience in general Mm -hmm. before um, and things that could happen and talking about how you're going to deal with those bumps is just really important. It's just have the conversation. And yeah, ultimately, people always have expectations, whether you realize it or not, you walk into a room and you have an expectation. That's so true. So your client is going to have expectations. So why not figure out what they are? So you can a either massage them Mm -hmm. up front 
or be like, hey, that's wildly unacceptable or misaligned with like how I see this going. Right. And then you can either, you know, get on the same page or maybe you decide right at that point that this isn't a good working relationship because you can't give them what they need. And often that process does bring up some red flags if you are very misaligned on a certain set of expectations, whatever those might be. Yeah. That can be the point where you, and we talk, like I talked about this in the previous episode, clients and competition, but that's the point where you can just say it's not a good fit. Yes. Like best and of that's luck. Okay. And it's, it's okay because not yeah. everyone's for everybody. So yeah. I totally agree with that whole piece. So let's use a real life example. So I love tangibles. I yeah. hate listening to podcasts and people talking theoretical and then I'm like, but how? <laughs> so yes, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> so if I were coming to you as a client and what's one of the most common misalignments on expectation you experience? Communication. So frequency how, of communication. How often you're going to communicate yeah. as the builder to the client. Okay. Yeah. I love that one because that is such a big one. Yeah. I will have clients text or email or whatever it might be every single day asking like, who's going to be there the next day, Mm -hmm. even though they've received a full schedule, even though they've spoken to their foreman that day. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a new system we're implementing. Now I have a little bit more background office help is to do like a weekly communication so that the client can expect communication on a certain day Mm -hmm. so that they don't feel the need to ask those questions every single day, yeah, which just becomes completely overwhelming when you have 15 clients asking the same questions. And you might not have the answer. You might not know exactly what time the trade's going to get there, but in the contract, which if you were clear in your communication from the beginning, it says to expect a trade. You always have to be ready to expect a trade between the hours of eight and five, Monday to Friday, throughout the duration of your project. Mm-hmm. We put a lockbox on the front door and we are allowed to come into your house anytime between those hours because it's absolutely impossible to control every single different trade Mm -hmm. across that many projects. So, but having that communication right off the bat. Yeah. So in your experience, what, like for your business, what does that look like? So it starts from honestly, the very first phone call, somebody being interested that, that comes up all the time about what does project management look like with, and I don't know if this is probably become people hear the horror stories maybe and it's like hey this person's demoed my house and then I never hear from them again so it it really comes up quite early for the customer to say hey what does this look like but I think your process is really is really great because it also lends itself to you gaining that mutual trust that you were talking about Mm -hmm. saying you're going to deliver something on a certain day and then consistently delivering you know your Wednesday or Monday updates to that client builds that trust through the process and they might have a lot of anxiety that first week before they get it. And then it's like, okay, that's been acquiesced. And then maybe it builds a little bit less through the next week. And then it's like, okay, this was acquiesced. And then eventually they they know that they feel, they feel comfortable, right? I mean, we're humans. We like comfort. We like consistency. We like to know our expectations are going to be met. But to kind of loop back to your original question, having that conversation about communication. So whether it's just asking the question of what frequency of communication do you feel is acceptable? Like, and what is the goal of your communication? Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the times, especially in construction, it's, I just want to know what has happened and what is going to happen. So it's so simple 
And a lot of the times too, people have the information ahead of them. And I went through a long, long stage in my career where I was just like, they have the information, like right. almost like annoyance, which is embarrassing to say, cause you should never be annoyed at your clients, but you get annoyed and you're frustrated because you're like, I've given this to you. But if I haven't taken the time to learn my customer and how they also want to be communicated with, then giving them the information in a forum that they don't receive information is like beating my head against the wall. Mm -hmm. So there's frequency of communication, but there's also like, how do you best want to be communicated with? Mm -hmm. And if they're like, it's a phone call or it's an email or whatnot, it's at least having that conversation. Cause we might not communicate in that form and that doesn't work for us as a business, but at least we've had the conversations like, okay, I know this person really doesn't read his email or doesn't want to log into our platform to see the schedule or read our instant messages through that platform. But at least we've had that conversation. So if there is frustration, you know, three months down the road about, oh, well, I, I didn't know that was happening today, or I haven't, I felt, feel like I haven't heard from you. Mm -hmm. We can revert back and say, okay, do you remember that conversation that we had? And I find that really trying to find the right word. It really, this is not the word I want to say, but it almost like lays the blanket on the fire. Like mm -hmm. those, that fire starts and then they're like, oh yeah, we did have that conversation. Yes. Whereas if we just never had that conversation, it's like, why didn't you take the time to know that this is how I want to be communicated with? And they don't intrinsically know that that's your frustration, but right. they don't feel seen and understood. And yeah. that's like a fundamental human. They feel, yeah. They feel ignored and they feel that you've done wrong by them because yeah. you haven't been able to meet the expectations they set that they never communicated mm -hmm. or that you never asked for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think last, like we were chatting last night, just casually over dinner, but about I like to be very transparent from the beginning of a job on what the job's going to cost. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest ones is I've learned over time that springing surprise costs on people obviously is not, it's already a massive cost to go through a renovation or a new build. It's already a huge expense, probably one of the largest expenses you're ever going to make 100%. beyond just buying the house. Yeah. And to have that preparatory here's what the biggest version of the budget looks like. Now let's scale it down to where you're comfortable mm -hmm. so that when they decide, which most, I would say 80 to 90% of people do decide during the process, let's just add that thing back in. Mm -hmm. And then when they go, oh my God, how did it get to X amount of dollars? And you go, remember the first budget we looked at that was this much money. Guess what? We're back at that point because you added all those things back mm -hmm. in that you took out yeah. saying you didn't need them at the beginning. Yeah. But it's a great, like you just said, like putting the blanket on the fire, like mm -hmm. you can, you can revert back to that and say, remember that? And they go, oh my God, yeah, I do. Yeah. Like, how did I get here? And you're like, yeah. Well, we, you know, we did all these I'm steps. The, I'm the drama. <laughs> I'm the drama. Yeah. No. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. But I, I agree with you too, in the sense of the communication piece. And also kind of, like you said, again, meeting people where they're at. I like to do like a weekly on-site visit as well with clients, just because some people communicate better in person. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes emails and any form of written communication can get testy if you can't read the tone correctly. Yeah. So having either a phone call or a in-person meeting, it's just a little bit of like an icebreaker allowance to like chat a little, have a little bit of like personal interaction, mm -hmm. even on the phone and just like ask normal questions and then jump into the business side. Because I think seeing your client, but also having your client see the business as 
like a human being allows them to communicate their needs more clearly Mm -hmm. and be more transparent with what they need from you as a business. Yeah. And when you're dealing with homeowners and being in people's spaces, it's such intimate. It is intimate. Exactly. So you have to almost, you have to have that intimate relationship in order to execute properly and really deliver something that is valued. A hundred percent. And so that you can create that relationship. Like those people are going to remember moving forward, how amazing it was to work with you and how even through the tough spots, you heard them and you helped them find a solution. Like every job's going to run into stuff that goes wrong or stuff that isn't how you imagined it, or it's not, you know, it costs more than you thought it would cost, whatever the case may be. But if you can handle it like as a human yep, and your client can see that you care that it isn't you know, you are managing the situation and it isn't as expected, but you're doing the best you can. Yeah. Then, and like, it goes both ways. If the client says to me, I can't pay my bill next week. I need to pay it in two weeks when I get paid. Is that okay? Giving and taking is huge too. And it's like, yeah, I trust you because you've paid all your other bills up to this point. You can have an extra week, right? Yeah. And that's reciprocity of a relationship. Exactly. And that's what it should be. It shouldn't be transactional and it isn't. Business shouldn't be transactional, especially when you're dealing with large sums of money and somebody's intimate space like your home is your nest it's your safe place and this person is in it yeah and coming in it every day and yeah. like making a mess and you know sometimes some of the trades are a little rough around the edges and they swear and curse and play really bad throw music a, throw a cigarette butt and you're like oh why are you doing that yes yeah No, totally. But going back to what you had also said earlier was that paperwork makes the best of friends. Mm -hmm. That's the point in the relationship where it is transactional and Mm -hmm. you are able to sit down and go back and forth on those hard topics and just say, these things are in place in case this derails. Mm -hmm. And if it does, they're there to protect you and they're there to protect me. I'm currently working for a lawyer and she's hard ass on negotiating the contract. And I love it about her. I said to her, like, and you're ex- like, I don't look at this contract. No, I said, I would expect no less from you. Like, yeah. thank you. And she, we, we sit down, we have a laugh. They're lovely people. And she, but she's a hard ass on the contract. And, but we negotiated and she got the language in there she wanted. And I felt comfortable with where we got to on a, you know, was fair on both mm-hmm. counts. And yeah. we move forward. We start their job next week. So it's, hundred percent. I would much rather have those difficult conversations at the very beginning where you can say, here's what we do. Here's how we handle things. If things go wrong, here is our process. Please stick to it the best you can. Here's mm-hmm. how I prefer to be communicated with. How do you prefer to be communicated with? Like for me personally, I really dislike text messaging with clients. One, because it's very hard to track mm-hmm. Two, because I find it often falls with outside of normal business hours, which I try to maintain boundaries on that just for my own mental health and time with my family and friends. But that's a big one I bring up at the beginning is please don't text me unless it's like a last minute, hey, I'm five minutes late to the meeting or something of the nature that like you have to get in touch with me quickly. But if it's like something that can easily be an email, not a text, let's do that instead. Well, especially the whole like hit by a bus scenario, right? Like you don't want your communication with your clients to be in one channel that really only goes to you Mm -hmm. because there is only one Brittany, but it takes a lot of collective brain power to run a business. And sometimes you do need to step away or maybe something happened and having that communication open to 
other support people within your business is critical and and even just as an awareness standpoint for people to see. So yeah, I agree. I prefer communication from a business perspective through our appropriate channels for tracking purposes to reference back to for my own like mental checklist, like that was handled. Whereas if it's just kind of living in somebody's phone and it gets missed, like that gives me even paralytic anxiety. Quoting in billables, like when I first came on with my dad, like he was a one man show. And when we did an invoice, it was like, let's read the text thread. Let's now read the email thread. Let's now. And they all say slightly different things. Yes. And like, now let's look through the notes that are in the site file. And it's like, how many different forms of communication do we have to deal with here? Yeah. And in, in piece of that, it's like, you can lose important information so much easier because you may have sent a text that's like, Hey, this door and, costs and, and the history bucks. of it. So what's the most recent, right. especially in, in design, you know, I picked this tile on Tuesday and then I saw this tile on Wednesday and then I saw this one on Friday, but they're all in different communication channels. Yeah. And you're like, which one was the most recent pick? Yeah. Yeah. Or you'll have a conversation in person. Um, like I just can confirm something with my window supplier because I know that I'd spoken to the client about a certain style of window. And then when he came to quote it, he quoted both styles of windows. And then I'm like, which one did we end up going with? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't actually, where's it written down? Where is it communicated? And so those types of things are so important. And I think that kind of is a good lead into the next part of this conversation, which is the management versus mistakes piece, because everything that we do in our business can be interpreted in different ways. And it's so important that the end goal, like you said, is clear and what happens when the clarity isn't there or someone is interpreting it correctly and how do you handle that? Yeah. So just to like tie a ribbon on it, that is why I think having that conversation at the beginning about where are we headed? So you can always check in at any point in that journey on are we still heading here? Look at how we've gotten here or look at where we're going and just refocusing on the goal because we all can get distracted by multiple things. And we always want to come back to that goal. And at the end, revisiting that original conversation, one thing I say to any prospective clients, um, kind of just going back to the whole bumps in construction is we're always going to be there. And that's the partner you want to have is that there might be perceived mistakes or bumps in the road, but you're choosing somebody that is going to ride that with shocks and be on that journey with you. And this is always going to be a relationship first focused that we're together heading on this problem. Mm-hmm. And problem is perception, right? It depends what lens you're looking at with expectations, with mistakes, with problems, however you want to phrase it, it's always going to be different lenses we're looking at it. So from a business perspective, I might not see a mistake. I might not see a problem. And then from the customer's perspective, they do. So I think having always refocusing back to that goal um, of where you're heading, just clear direction. Yeah. Um, when we get off track and just be like, Hey, how do we pivot and get back to the direction that we're heading? Like North, where's our compass? Mm -hmm. And to that point, I find that during that process, particularly when the client's living in the home, 
they get very they can they can get very caught up in the detail mm -hmm. and that's a very good point where you have to say listen remember our goal remember the end goal like this little thing that we're very focused on in this moment really isn't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things yes i see that there's an issue there we will correct it but like let's continue to move forward yeah um and people when they're living through that and they're stressed and it's messy it can become like a very like spinning type of focus on tunnel. Yeah, yeah. You get tunnel vision. Yeah. Um, and you, and especially perceived mistakes, um, it starts eroding that trust that you're building yes. very quickly. And one experience that I had in building the house that we're sitting in right now that really blew away. And I still talk about it now almost five years later because it was something so insignificant but was so meaningful to me and they installed our sliding door sliding the wrong way mm -hmm. and you know i i periodically would check in on the job but was it something i would notice probably um was i not scheduled to see the property for another two weeks yes so this issue existed they were probably going to have it rectified before i was going to see it. it should be corrected in the next 24 hours or 48 hours whatever it was or we have a new door on order. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, like I would have never known. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have noticed because it was going to be rectified prior to me even being there. But it was getting ahead of it yes. and being just so authentic that I actually had more trust. Yeah. So if I saw a mistake through any of our walkthroughs, I knew they were just going to take care of it because they were ahead of it from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we're scared to admit our mistakes in business because we don't want to look like we lose credibility. Mm -hmm. But I think the power and the trust and the credibility comes from literally owning your mistakes, yeah. which seems so counterintuitive, but it no, does. It's, it is so clear and accurate what you said, like owning your mistakes is the most important thing. And you might recognize them prior to the client recognizing them. And if you don't, and the client's the one that recognizes them, that's They've eroded the trust. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But as long as you can step up and say, yes, that is an error and I will fix it. Mm -hmm. We will do what we need to do to fix it. You're at least taking ownership of that. Yep. And that counts for a lot. Oh, totally. Like if, sorry, I, I, I misunderstood you there. You're saying if the client notices a mistake prior to you. Yes. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Cause that's also an embarrassing moment. So it you're is. kind of dealing with like that, that icky feeling of like, oh shoot. Yeah. I didn't see this like poo poo on me. And that's embarrassing, but yeah. Own it. I think there's so much power in just owning your stuff. And I don't know if that's like coming into your thirties, but in my twenties, <laughs> I did yeah. not have that. Like, yeah. I don't know if my ego is on overdrive, but I didn't want anyone to ever see me make a mistake. I think it was perfectionist parents though, too, a little mm -hmm. bit of that, but the, the power that comes of just being like, you know what, we all make mistakes and let's just all talk about it. And like, let's open the kimono. Here's all my dirt. Yeah. And we're going to get through this. There's no hiding. And it's just really refreshing. I also think it gives the client a lot more faith and trust again in you to see you not point the finger, like mm -hmm. to, to actually say, oh my God, yes, that is an error. And mm -hmm. I apologize and I will fix it. That to me is such a, powerful thing to be able to do. And I think if you can't do that in business, you're going to run into some big issues 
at some point, because like you said, we all make mistakes. It's yeah. going to happen. There's going to be, especially in a business like ours, where there are so many moving pieces and so many different trades and so many decisions that have to be made. And it's it's a whole lot going into the final product. Mm -hmm. But again, to, to play devil's advocate to that point is where do you draw the line when it's not actually a mistake and it's just a misinterpretation or maybe a miscommunication or a misunderstanding on one party's behalf of the expectation. Yeah. So I think that's where that realignment of expectations comes into play. If you've never had that initial conversation, then you can't realign on any expectation. Right. So if it's not truly a mistake and it's a miscommunication or a misalignment and you haven't ever had that conversation, then the client or the customer from their perspective is always going to view that as a mistake. Right. That old adage of the customer is always right, like comes into play for them. And then we kind of dig our heels in the sand a little sometimes in our brains being like, well, this is how we do things. How could you not know this? Right. Or, you know, I see where the issue went wrong, but it's not a big deal. It's funny because I like draw so many parallels to parenting you know, Hunter, who is my seven-year-old, newly seven, it was his birthday yesterday. Um, he'll ask for, there was this one time he asked for spaghetti and meat sauce. And I was like, you want the meat in the sauce or you want meat balls? I thought I was very clear with setting expectations. Mm -hmm. You're going to get meat balls or you're going to get meat in the sauce. And he was like, meatballs, meatballs, meatballs. And he was distracted doing something. So I made him the meatballs was exactly what he asked for and he was not happy when he got <laughs> his dinner he had some choice words for me and I think a plate got pushed back at me and he said you forgot to make this yummy and this is not what I wanted you made the wrong pasta you can't make anything cooking for children is literally the more stressful than my job <laughs> um and I think that maybe in in jest is a parallel to a customer where it's like, I, I, we did have this conversation mm -hmm. and maybe you were distracted at the time or you didn't communicate as effectively what you wanted. And I think that's truly where documentation and I hate referring back to documentation. Yeah. It doesn't um, feel the best when you no. have to be like, well, remember when you signed off? Well, on it's this? the contract, yeah. right? You're like, I want to sign this contract and I want to want to put it in a box and, never and I don't want to ever have to pull it out. Yeah. But that's what it is for. And that's what those original conversations are for. So you can pull it out and be like, let's get on the same page. And if they miscommunicated or you misheard, you'll get you'll get there together through really honest conversations if you've set those expectations. If you haven't, I truly don't know how you recover. Someone's always going to feel hard done by. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you don't have that stuff to refer back to. So good paperwork makes good friends. Hard conversations up front is protect the relationship because mm -hmm. things will go wrong and you do sometimes have to revert back to that documentation or that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, in especially in the design side of things, the construction side of things, depending, like for you, obviously, you're doing custom homes, you have architectural drawings, you have everything on that side of things. And on my side of things, it's the designer that does a lot of that upfront legwork mm -hmm. to prepare for the project so that those questions are answered by the time we get to that point in the job. 
So for me, I ensure, or I do my best to ensure that we have a presentation where everything is signed off on. And then we have a secondary sign off phase where we have to go through like a computer program and they like physically have to check a box if they approve items and Mm -hmm. then costs. And then we have, you know, material reviews and budget updates and you do your very best to stay on top of that. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the side of it where at some point in time, you do have to make decisions as the contractor, as the builder, as the designer that you feel are correct. So with that, what do you do? So I think the most important part in that, in that scenario is we have snowbirds, for example, I'm going to just use a practical example that, you know, are in Phoenix and they're not accessible necessarily to make a decision that needs client input. Um, So in that scenario, Britt, obviously there's things that are moving at a fast pace. A client is not always accessible. They might be on vacation and you want to move the project forward. I think the most important thing and what has future-proofed us, and this is from mistakes we've made, we now have a process that has a name on it, is that we need to know what their priority is. And we need to always be making decisions on behalf of our client through their lens. And so part of that previous conversation that we were having about like expectation setting and, and having those hard conversations ahead of time is knowing your client and knowing the lens at which they're looking at their project through. So they might be prioritizing time. They might be prioritizing budget. They might be prioritizing the time that they get to make that decision. They want to be really sure. And that all impacts that assumption that you're going to make. I really love that because that isn't not to say I don't think about the client's priorities, but I think a lot of times I think about it from just a realistic perspective. Like my guys need to be continuing working. We can't stop the job. And to think about it in that sense, like putting that piece forward is, is such a good way to manage those expectations and also allow the client to know that you really are valuing them above all else. Totally. And you know, the old golden rule, I don't know if it was Girl Scouts, but it was like, (laughs) um, treat others the way you want to be treated. And the whole new age of thinking is the platinum rule, which is like, no, you treat others the way they want to be treated. And we don't know how they want to be treated. We don't know what their lens is unless we ask. So have those hard conversations at the beginning and really truly get intimate and know and look through their lens. And one thing I pride myself on is is understanding my clients mm -hmm. and meeting them where they're at. Yeah. Um, and trying to explain things to them that make sense to them. You know, some of my clients are engineers. They want things explained to them in a different way than maybe my client who's a teacher wants things explained to them. It's so that piece I understand, but going back to when you have to get that decision, mm-hmm. coming at it from that perspective where you're you're valuing their process over your own, I think yeah. is a very humble way to do your business. So I really respect that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that's, it. I think we're going to just leave it there. <laughs> but I, I really do. I think that that's a really key piece for people to take away because I think a lot of times, especially when things are busy and there's a lot going on and you have a lot of clients you're trying to manage, you might not forget, but you might just not put them in a priority sequence of, okay, you know, just make the decision because I got to go. I got to get to the next thing. I got to get this order and I got to do this. Yeah. But to really step back and be like, this is a massive investment for them. This is their home. 
What? What do they do? Like, even if you need two hats on the job site and you're like, I'm going to put my hat on and I'm going to put the customer hat on. Yeah. And like really get into that headspace. Another line I love that kind of just is always in the back of my head is in the absence of information, customers are going to fill in the blanks. And same with us. In the mm-hmm. absence of information, like your your contractor, whoever that person is, is going to fill in the blanks. So communicate so that there isn't that absence because mm-hmm. you're armed with more information. You can eat more easily put on their hat with more intel of how they think, how they operate and what their priorities are. So I think in any business, as we're talking, I'm like, I need to make this a process is in the getting to know you stage with a customer, what are the three most important things to you in this renovation? What are the three most important things to you in this journey? Right. Because then we can just look at whatever the problem is, whatever the mistake is, whatever the decision is through those lenses. But yeah, so I think that's something I'm going to take away from even this conversation is let's just ask that question. Yeah. What are your three priorities? Because it even gets them thinking about it. It does. And and even thinking about, you know, even clients I'm working for at the moment, I can immediately, like, I know them well enough. Not that I have asked them a particular question, but I could literally be like, this lady's priority is 100% this type of reaction. This person's priority is 100% like, get me in the house. This yeah. one is like, no, I need time for a decision. This one's like, I just want to know it's done the way it normally is done. Like yeah. I have, you know, a few clients that are just like, what is the book standard? What is, what height is my shower valve supposed to be at? Yeah, do it. That's the height yeah. I want it at. Yeah. Like, whereas some people are like, no, no, no. Like I'm tall. I want it here. Whatever mm-hmm. that might be. So I love that. Definitely going to take that away as a big piece. I think, like you said, ask them up front and maybe even have like a pre-created document that's like, what is most important to you? Time, your ability to be involved in the decision-making process or, you know, money. And if they say money and you go, cool, is it okay if I make decisions here and there when required, when you're not available? Or what's your bandwidth of budget up or down that you're comfortable with me making decisions? Right. Can I make a $500 decision? Can I make a $1,000 decision? You know, or do you need to be involved if it's about like where a plug's located? No, that's not really that important to me. Okay, cool. Do you need to be involved with how the tiles like, yeah, it really bugs me when tiles like not symmetrical or if there's a little sliver here or this and that I really want to be involved cool I'm going to call you on the day we do our our dry lay and you can come and inspect it yeah you know and some clients want to be more involved and some clients want to be less involved and kind of knowing that from the get-go and being able to establish again a process or a communication strategy or a weekly meeting that you need or whatever that might be in order to make them feel and be part of the project in the capacity they want to be involved. Some people are like, I don't care. You decide. Yeah. And that's great too. As long as you know, you have told me that I can decide, then, you know, it's gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, um, I want to make two, two points that I was just thinking about as you were talking. And it's the first being when we talked about mistakes too, if we can reference back to those priorities and, if somebody feels like, oh my God, you made this tile decision on on my behalf, I would have never made this decision. This is a perceived mistake of yours now. Right. If you could go back and be like, listen, we talked about your priorities and you said your priority was moving the project forward in time. So I made this decision through that lens that you suggested. It's incredibly disarming to be like, yeah, you know what? Thank you for the reframe that time is important 
all of a sudden, when I'm looking at this mistake, I'm feeling this priority of, I just don't like the color or whatever right. it is. And I forgot about the time component being so important to me. Mm -hmm. And just even reframing that their priority was time is disarming. And then you're kind of back on that same page of being like, okay, yeah, right. yeah you're right. And you can even reference the reason you made that choice. So mm -hmm. let's, let's use the, the, the tile example. Exactly. So the tile had to go in so the grouting could be completed so that we could hang the window treatments because the job needed to be done by X day. I couldn't get the window treatment people here until this position. If I had delayed the tile, we would be now behind by a week. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have a huge party next week. Thank you for making that decision. Yeah. And that party is more important to me than the tile. Exactly. Right now. Yeah. Because I kind of like it. Yeah. Now you know it's what? It's actually on. not that bad. Yeah. You, you're kind of good at your job. <laughs> I have to say that's one of my favorites is after a project's done. And, and projects are hard. Like people, like we said earlier, it's emotional. It's your house. It's like, get the out of here mm -hmm. i'm done with you yeah like everyone feels that oh, wait, way wait can we swear on this thing yeah you just, oh gosh i've been holding back <laughs> <laughs> you're good at it holding back because you have children like you, you use the term fo a ton of times <laughs> during my visit but you get to the end of the project and it's like when you finally do leave and you style it and it's beautiful and they have their home back and they're able to like live in the space again it everything softens mm -hmm. and it's the same as like you know having a maybe not an argument with a friend, but maybe like a tough conversation with a partner or a friend or family member. And then a couple of weeks go by and you're able to like see each other and be like, okay, I respect the conversation we had and like, let's move forward from here. That's kind of how I feel a few weeks after a job is like the stress has passed and it's like, you cooler know Cooler heads prevail. Yeah, cooler heads prevail and we really do love our space and, um, you know, that, that whatever perceived mistake was, if that's the case, you know, it's behind us now and we actually are, we're happy with everything. Yeah. And I mean, that's what you're in it for, right? Is that, that their happiness at yeah. the end of the day is the most fulfilling thing and oh, seeing yeah. a beautiful product um, and somebody enjoying it and living it is great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Have you ever had any situations where you weren't able to reference back and what what did that look like? Yeah. So all the time, <laughs> all the why time. we have new processes yes. and, all the time. And that's why things evolve a hundred percent. Like, and ultimately it's, I don't know if you've ever read any of uh, Jocko Williams stuff, but his whole thing is like extreme accountability. And you, you mentioned one thing about, you know, owning a mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of the times it is very easy in this line of work to be like, oh, well, that was the electrician or that was this person not listening or these different sub trades down the line. But ultimately it's, it's still your problem and mm -hmm. it's still, you have to take accountability for it because it all filters through you regardless. Yeah. Right. So there's definitely extreme accountability in that, and in that standpoint, whereas something has gone awry. I don't have documentation to, to fall back on or I never had the conversation right. or glossed it over. It was an assumption just, I made Yeah, has um, been fine in the past. That's to quickly tangent off. That's, that's where I find the most frustrating is when you've done X, Y, and Z six or seven times before, and it's never been an issue. And all of a sudden, because someone's wearing a different lens for them, it is an issue. Yeah. And you're like, how did I not? And that's just experience. That's, mm -hmm. that's working with different clients. That's seeing different people's reactions to the same situation or the same decision. 
and and you learn over time and that comes with experience like mm-hmm. some clients like it this way some clients like it that way tomato tomato right yeah so when you don't have that precedence in place when you don't have that documentation to fall back on when you haven't had that conversation what do you do own it yeah like extreme accountability own it you know what i made this assumption tell them the why like we're all humans mm-hmm. Don't scapegoat. Don't beat around the bush. Just be like, yes, this is what I did, but this is the why. Because ultimately the why is always the best intentions. It is. I think it was like my dad who's always just like, you're always assume people have the best intentions because they typically do. Like no one's out. We're definitely not trying to mess with our clients or make them unhappy. Like if we're in the business of making clients unhappy, like we're going to fail. (laughs) Well, and also like, that's like the worst thing in the world is when someone's unhappy. So like, if you truly think I'm out to like make you unhappy and that I made a decision, like thinking, oh, they're going to hate it. Yeah. What? (laughs) Why would I ever do that? It's It's not fun. Yeah. Um, So at the end of the day, like, I think just owning it, like we're all humans and I have made mistakes that are costly and sometimes costly to our business. Mm -hmm. And I've had to say, you know what? I made an assumption or I didn't look at this as detailed as I should have. Mm-hmm. And I didn't ask you the question because, you know, I've done this 15 times and it's never been a problem, but I shouldn't be lazy. I should still ask yeah. you that question. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, I feel like I've never had any pushback from a client in the sense of like resistance to that. Mm-hmm. We're human beings. And if you... No, and normally people agree, mm-hmm. you know, yes, you're human. Yes, you make mistakes. Did you accept responsibility? Yes. Were you humble? And did you did you rectify it? Yeah. Did you do your very best to rectify it? Like, and some things aren't rectifiable, which is the hardest part. Because yes. you're like, so for example, this didn't happen to us, but I, I just know of a story of they did stucco, and you stucco, you have to have your color sample that you sign off on, and we sign off on a color stucco sample now because we want to be able to see this is the color you chose and yeah, show that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, versus like looking at a paint swab or whatnot. And the complete wrong stucco color is on this house. And they're like, but look at your color sample. And then they put it up to the house and they're like, that's not the same. Yeah. Like it's literally not even close. Yeah. To chip off the whole exterior of a home, it's not going to be as good of quality. Right. You you just can't backtrack on that. You can repaint it. You can do like an EFIS coating on it. And you'll probably get a better product at the end of the day. But you can't walk back from that mistake. And there's mistakes that you can't walk back from. So rectifying or even, again, realigning expectations. It's like, what do you want to see happen here? Because I know you really let's use this example, let's really beat it to death, want it this color, but I know that the quality of your exterior components is also really important to you. So what is the best solution through your lens? Yeah. Now let's talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, I think accountability, ownership, we're all human. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Wow. Okay. I think that is more information than anyone can absorb. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all your insight. Thank you for teaching us so much. I think this was a huge takeaway for all of our listeners. And like, I know I learned a ton today. So I feel like I learned everything. What? Yes. I taught nothing. I learned it all. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, that's nice that we both come away. And I hope that's how everyone feels who's listening. So if you liked this episode, please rate and review, please share it with your friends. 
And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. Thanks.